by the power of Jerry Skull. Box Price Podcast, the podcast that serves you three scoops of pop culture. I'm your host, Steve Garcia, and I got my co-host right over here, Aaron Smelzer. And man, do we have a lot to talk about. It's just been crazy with everything that's going on with the toys and, you know, just like collecting and just what's <laughs> going on. So, uh, man, uh, Aaron, how was your week, man? <laughs> crazy crazy it's and like you said there's a lot going on there's a lot to talk about i i think uh we're gonna we're gonna kind of get into a, a lot of different topics today yeah man we're gonna get into a lot of stuff today because uh definitely gotta tell you my experience with NECA and ordering like the super shredder and oh my god that was just like uh it was like torture, man. But uh, I know you have a little story to tell, but I- I'm very curious to hear what happened to you. So, yeah. So we were going to we, we I, I didn't know we were going to jump right into it. We're going to talk um, about like the pre-orders, the exclusives, all this stuff. So, oh, today, yeah. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so no, It's all good. So today was supposed to be the release of the G.I. Joe classified wave two and the target exclusives and so me i get up i go to target i'm there early we wait in line there's about six or seven people in line which is like unusual and i'm like okay are they all here for gi joe and you can normally spot like one or two people you're like okay they're probably here for gi joe so doors open and these guys take off running running to the back right so so we get back there and guess what nothing nothing on the shelves nothing nothing's there and this this one guy drove from vermont 110 miles away he supposedly talked to somebody in corporate and said, they're supposed to be here. Where are these figures? So this guy's going off, right? And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, you know, they had they had one exclusive, but it really wasn't. It was like the, uh, the, the one that nobody wanted. Everybody wanted the Cobra Trooper. Everybody wants the Beachhead um, and the Baroness. Everybody's looking for the Baroness. And so we get there and nothing, nothing there. So we said, okay. So they, but this one guy's adamant, you have six of them, the Cobra troopers, you have six of these Cobra troopers. They're here. So they, they can't find them. They don't know where they are. So they, they end up taking our phone numbers and said, okay, we'll give you a call. You know, if we find them. So I'm thinking, you know, they're gone. Somebody else bought them, whatever. Three o'clock this Mm -hmm. afternoon, I get a call from target 
And Target says, hey, you were here this morning, right? I said, yeah, I was there. They said, well, we couldn't find the beachhead. We couldn't find the uh, Baroness, but we found the Cobra Trooper. So if you want the Cobra Trooper, it's here. Drive back up and come get it. So I get back in my car, <laughs> go back to Target, and and they had the Cobra Trooper. So I, I, I was able to pick up one of the exclusives today. No, no second wave. Uh, the Cobra Commander, the Gung Ho's, the um, I think it's a Red Ninja. The, none of those were were there. Um, apparently, there's some guy down in Derry that's selling them right now. So they were released somewhere. Um, the Baronesses gone. Um, nobody in the United States except for one store in California. That's it. So wow. And, I looked on the forums and I know we're going to talk where this is kind of a good lead into I know what you're going to talk about with the uh, super shredder. The bots bought every Baroness at on the pre-order within 10 seconds. Oh, my God, man. I feel so, bad for that guy that drove all the way from Vermont. Like, yeah, can you, can you imagine that dude? Like he just like he's getting ready and like his wife's like, honey, where are you going? He goes, I'm gonna go to Massachusetts to get these GI Joe figures. Like, like it's getting <laughs> to the point. Like, it's getting to the point where people are traveling, like buying like plane tickets just to find these things. Like, yeah, that's crazy. So, so the doors opened up. These guys ran like yep. to the toy section, and there was nothing there. Nothing there. Unbelievable, man! It's like, like, oh my god! It, it's funny. I was just at my Walmart. And my area, and I'm like, you know what? Let me just check to see if they have any of the movie turtles here or any Hasbro, anything. I went to my toy section completely empty. There yep. was literally nothing there by like, but like some Godzilla figures. Other yep. than that, no G.I. Joe, no He-Man, no Ghostbusters, no nothing. And I'm just like, this is the state of toy collecting that we're living in. It's like we're living in the apocalypse of like toy collecting. <laughs> it, it's weird. It's odd. I mean, and your Walmart is the same as my Walmart. The the I got one up the street up here in New Hampshire, and you know I go I go to it quite often. You walk in, you you're lucky if you find one you know something hanging on the shelves that, that you're looking for. I mean. I walked in there the other day, nothing, none of the new AEW wrestling figures. I mean, it, it was just an empty shelf. It almost looked like they were um, like redoing the shelves, but that's every, every week I go in there, there's nothing. That is crazy, man. And then the other thing is that like the employees that work there, now obviously 95% of the people that are taking this war employees are, are the men, are the guys. I mean, uh, maybe there's some women there that are into collecting, but like, from what I'm hearing from people that actually work at these Walmarts, the people that do the um, the stocking when the trucks come, they start taking these things. And then the other thing that I just found out of a YouTube video is that when you buy stuff off Walmart, it has that little like uh, alarm little thing that like when you come out with a product, the alarm sounds off. Now, yeah. when it comes in in the trucks, you can literally, if you're an employee... Just walk out with that if you want. So I've been hearing stories online on YouTube from toy collectors that they know people that work at these Walmarts where when the figures come, even managers, they take them 
and they just leave with them and they'll pay for them. But like the alarm doesn't even go off. So you wow. have like all these guys like just taking a lot of the stuff that's coming from the truck. And I'm just like, you have no chance of like grabbing any of these things, man. Like it's crazy. Yeah. So so basically they're they're modern day foot soldiers from the movie. They're, they're, they're stealing they're stealing the merch they're stealing the merchandise off the trucks. <laughs> yeah, only that these guys are not like 15, 16 year old teenagers. He's like 38, 39 year old dude like us. They got they got their they got their secret Walmart lair, you know, somewhere, and they got the they got the they got the one up arcade machines, you know, and all the action figures on on the on the walls. <laughs> you see some guy dressed like Tatsu. He's like, mm, go play. <laughs> Just grunt. Mm, well, I need more figures. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy, Aaron. So like. So then, what'd you do after that? Like, like Target called you. They they said that they had it, and they don't want yeah. like. Yeah. So so I ended up driving back up there. I ended up picking it up. They were super nice. I have to give props to Target because I was not expecting a phone call. I was, you know, I I, w- I was basically like basic chalking it up to I'll find it when I can find it. But you know, going back into that, I think there are distribution issues. Like the Baronesses, that it was a Baroness and motorcycle. It was supposed to be released today. I was watching this guy on um, one of the toy groups I'm in on Facebook. He was at uh, Target this morning at 4:45 in the morning. He was oh he was he was, he was out because everybody knew that this Baroness was going to be released. And you know, we're like, where is it? No, nobody in the United States. Supposedly, one store in California got them and got like five. And then um, they all went to Asia, which I, I don't I don't what? understand that. But no stores in the United States got the Baroness. It's a two or it's a Baroness uh, six inch with a six inch motorcycle that she poses on. And that's why everybody wanted it was because it's like the first six inch vehicle that was released. Oh, my God, man. What? So most of those got shipped to Asia. Like, I'm just, I'm just like, what? That's, is going- that, that's, the, that's the information that I've gotten from the. Uh, the online sources. Now I don't know how true it is, but um, you go on eBay right now, everybody, there's a couple people selling there. There are ones that they got a pre-order confirmation for, but nobody has them in hand. That is insane. Like, 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 man, I, I, I'm telling you. So like, you know, and I, and I was telling you this before the show started that uh, a lot of these toys and these collectibles that are being sent out now is for like, People our age, people that grew up in oh, the yeah. 80s, you know, the 90s. Uh, and, I mean, if you really think about it, Mattel, um, Hasbro, like a lot of these lines, they're counting on us to keep these lines going. Because, like, I mean, how many kids are playing with figures nowadays? Like, I, I can't really think of, like, any kids right now. Because most of the kids that I see on the streets right now, be- between of, like, age 7 to, like, 10... They're all either playing video games on their cell phones. Like I'm not seeing too many little kids playing with GI Joes, playing with He-Man's, playing with Transformers. So like these companies are banking on us. But the problem is, is like okay, you're making a lot of these cool collectibles for us, but we can't find them. Like mm-hmm. we can't find them. And not only that, but like why don't you just place pre-orders then? Like make it so that so for example, like I ordered the uh Toka and Razar of NECA, um, and it was a two pack and it was uh 70 bucks. Now the shipping cost was like twenty three dollars. 
just to ship yeah. them. So a lot of people were getting pissed off at the shipping cost alone. Anyways, I look at it as like, you know what? That's $20 that if I had to drive around all the Walmarts and Targets to try to find these guys, that's gas money anyways. So right. whatever. But it was a made-to-order pre-order. So if 200 people pre-ordered it, then 200 people are going to get it. And I feel yeah. like that's the right way of doing this because, you know, Target and Walmart, the way they do things, especially with stocking some of the shelves, it's it's not going right, man. This is things have to change. And and you no, mentioned I, and you mentioned the bots, Aaron, and, and that's another thing, man, because like I told you, uh I got the NECA super shredder. Um, and oh my god. So the pre order started at one o'clock in the afternoon. I was in front of my computer at twelve fifty eight. One o'clock came and everybody started putting that super shredder in, in their cart. And every time I try to like just just check out, it wouldn't let me check out. It was frozen, frozen. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I had like a an action finger forum page open. Everybody's going your cell phone, going your cell phone. I'm going on my cell phone. They're like, no, 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 go back on the PC. And I'm going back on the PC, and it's like everybody's like going back and forth. I'm like, what the hell is going on, man? And then like around 1:49, people started posting that NECA was posting up the super shredder back again because people ordered two instead of one. So right. I ended up after 49 minutes of trying getting the super shredder in my car and actually checking out. But like again, you know, like NECA, the way they're doing things, like listen, these turtles, again, they're for us. You know, it, it's gained towards people our age because we grew up with it, we want it, and they're super popular, but they should do it like the Toka and Razar, where it's like made for pre-order. If 600 people pre-ordered it, then 600 people get it. Like sending them to Walmart. Walmart does a horrible, horrible inventory job of yeah. keeping track of their stuff, man. And everybody has have, have been having toy anxiety lately, man. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned that, and, and I got to applaud NECA on something that just happened recently um so i think they are gonna go back to that toka and razar um type of pre-order um uh i was watching i caught a couple minutes of the um instagram live that they just did with judith hogue um who was yep. the original april o'neill i think i sent you that info um she's so she's going forward they're going forward with making the april um, in, in her likeness, which is awesome. And so, but she brought that up about the bots and the scalpers, um, grabbing these figures before anybody else. And she goes, if, if we're going to do this, we need to do it right for the fans. And we need to make sure that, that these bots and these scalpers, um, aren't able to grab five, 10, 15 figures, you know, it needs to be a limit of one per family or whatever and go from there. And so she actually, as an actress and as kind of an advocate for the fans, basically said, I'm not going to do this unless you're going to do it right. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I thought I really applauded her for that. And her being, you know, playing April O'Neil, a reporter, um, you know, in the original Turtles movie, she basically said, I want to take everybody through the action figure making process. 
I want to do this as a reporter would would look at the figures. And so she's going to kind of take everybody on a backstage or, back, you know, backstage view of, you know, how do you make this figure from start to finish from the face scans, from the sculpts, from the, you know, from the packaging all the way to the consumer. So I thought that was really cool. And I really applauded her for doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember I didn't know about that till you sent me the message like, hey, Steve, check this out. And I was like, oh, they're going to do an April figure. And I ended up watching it. And when she said that, I was like, that is awesome. Because what, I don't know too much about like um, licensing and, you know, people's likeness, actors. But one thing that I learned that Randy from NECA was saying is that um, for Casey Jones, the reason yeah. why um, you couldn't take off the mask and the figure was because they couldn't get um, the license rights to um, right. what's his name to his likeness, and right. a lot of it has to do with like going through agents, going through management, making a deal so that NECA and the actor they both make money, you know. So like it, it's a it, it's it's a lot, you know. But like you said, like having Judith Hogue like actually say, listen, I'm only gonna do this if the fans. Are gonna get this and it's made for pre-order and that's awesome man because you don't hear too many actors you know really caring for like you know fans out there like hey i want all my fans to get this we're gonna do this right so that's yeah. awesome man yeah and um you know talking about likenesses you know, I think, you know, a actors and actresses, they don't want to give their likeness away, you know, because once they have that, in, you know, image, you know, they own it, you know. And then, you know, um, I know that issue came up with um, Crispin Glover in Back to the Future. Um, and I don't know if you're, you're familiar with that, but in Back to the Future, one, Crispin Glover plays Marty McFly's dad, um, you know, all that other stuff. And then in Back to the Future 2, Crispin Glover did not give his his rights away for his likeness. And he, there's been this, there's a, you can go on YouTube and watch hours and hours and hours of this stuff. They hired an actor, um, a different actor, and made him look like Crispin Glover to do the, the Back to the Future scenes. And Crispin Glover was like, how can you do this? Because you're telling the, the audience that this guy is me. He's he, and, and he's like, he's not me. Like, so now when I go to like other, uh, try to, you know, uh, um, audition for other movies, they're looking at that performance and like, that's not me, you know, wow. he, he had a huge issue with Robert Zemeckis using his, you know, uh, uh, face, you know, and that that's where kind of this whole like selling your likeness, you know, if you, if, you know, you look at the WWF, WWE, you know, if they do a face scan of you and put it on an action figure, well, they own that face scan. They could put that on anything, you know. Wow. I didn't know that about the Crispin Glover thing. That's yeah. crazy. So so they had another actor fill in for him for Back to the Future, too. Yeah, he's not in Back to the Future, too. That's crazy. I mean, you would think that like Rubber Zemeckis and the producer, I always forget uh I always forget the producer's name that produced Back to the Future. But um one thing that I did hear about the Crispin Glover thing is that him and the producer kind of had a a little not altercation, but you know, kind of like uh the producer kind of backstabbed Crispin Glover because they didn't tell him they were going to use another actor 
um they, they never reached out to him to be in it so that's that's crazy man and it's so funny that you mentioned about actors and likeness because and and action figures also because um richard dreyfus who was in jaws um jaws doesn't have too many action figures but they wanted to make a richard dreyfus action figure and for some reason and still to this day nobody knows why he doesn't want a figure of himself yeah, it's so weird. Like when it comes to like likenesses and stuff, like he just doesn't want it. And people till this day are like, "Why, Richard Dreyfus? Why don't you want an action figure?" I said, "What is the like? Why? Like, what is going on?" Like, well, you think about how many times, and I mean, we can go. This is a total another offshoot. I mean, think about how many times you know, um, action figure companies reuse body sculpts, reuse head sculpts, reuse, you know, they reuse those parts. Like if you look at the, um, um, you know, star Wars lines, you know, they basically, you know, when, um, Robin hood, Prince of thieves came out with Kevin Costner, they made the action figures of that. If you look at those sculpts, those are all old star Wars sculpts. And, you know, so I can understand somebody like, especially with the technology today, you know, of like, oh, I'm going to scan your face and we're going to put it on an action figure. You know, you could go in a store 20 years from now and it, it might not even be a Jaws figure. It could be a, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of just another like random line, like a, a Ben 10, you know, like you know, my <laughs> yeah. son's a Ben 10 recently. It could be a Ben 10 uh, action figure with your head on it. And you're like, well, why the hell is my head on that action figure? <laughs> You know, well, that company owns your head sculpt, you know, so. Hey, why is my head on a Barbie body? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why, why, why am I on Ken's body? You know, it's, you know, that's funny. It reminds me of a Simpson episode. It was a, a Malibu Stacy episode, and uh, Lisa was getting mad that the producers that made the Malibu Stacy doll, every time you pull the string, she would say kind of like these these things that didn't make women feel empowered, like, I'm going to cook you dinner tonight. Are you tired <laughs> from work, honey? So I guess like uh, Lisa goes to the playground and she tells one of the little girls, like, can you pull the string? And the little girl's like, mine says something different. And when she pulls it, it's Spider-Man. And he's like, my Spidey sense is tingling. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, going back to like you said, like, you know, using the same scope, it's kind of funny because I'm. I'm remembering that like Malibu Stacy episode where it's a Malibu Stacy though, but by accident they got the Spider-Man freaking voiceover on it. So yeah, that's hilarious, man. But yeah, man, it's crazy, Aaron. Like I don't know, I feel like toy collecting, and it's funny. Randy from NECA said this. It's like remember when like collecting DVDs was like a big thing. Everybody's collecting DVDs and like yeah. you know like. Then, like, Mondo, you, have you ever heard of Mondo movie prints? Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the posters. The posters. So, like, yeah. Mondo has become a big thing, like, collecting for people. And, you know, it went from, like, DVDs to, like, movie posters. Um, and then before all that was sneakers. Like, sneakerheads were collecting, like, Jordans. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, people were, like, paid $300, $400 for a pair of Jordans. And Randy was saying it uh, on an interview that, like, now – which is very interesting, toy collecting, even for the people that do not collect toys, like all the people that were buying Jordans just to sell them, those are the same people right now with the bots because they're like, hey, you know what? I made money off these sneakers. I don't really collect toys, but I can sell these at the second market for like 
double, triple the price. Oh, yeah. And that's literally what's happening right now. And, like, it didn't used to be like that seven, eight years ago. No. No, well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head that, you know, the toy collecting is just it, – it's through the roof right now. And, I, you know, we've kind of bounced some ideas back and forth. I think with everything going on in the world, with quarantine – with with you know everything going on you know everybody's kind of like blah when you buy something that brings you back to a different time when you buy something that brings you happiness that that's gonna you know your, your endorphins are gonna go up you're gonna remember a good time you're, you're gonna you know take the toy out of the package or leave it in the package maybe it's just you know displayed but you can look at it i think during this time it's bringing people a lot of happiness um, it's bringing people a lot of joy having something from your childhood or something that brings you happiness. But at the same time, it also brings in a hell of a lot of frustration because trying to find these damn things is like jumping through hoops. And, you know, I, I, I do think that people are looking at this as a business. Um, you know, when the, when the pandemic hit, look at everything with like the video games. You know, um, Wii's, you know, uh, we talked about how the Wii prices had jumped up, you know, just buying a Wii off of Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. You could normally get them for 50, you know, 40 or 50 dollars. When this hit, they were selling for 150, 200 dollars because people people were kind of like, oh, well, I'm bored. I need to play something. You know, let's play Wii, you know, um, Nintendo Switches were the big thing. You could not find a Nintendo Switch in the stores when the pandemic hit. Because people were looking for something to do, but there were also people taking advantage of that, going to the store, buying a switch for $300 and then putting it on Facebook marketplace for $450. You know, yeah. I think there's all people that are going to take advantage of people's heartstrings, take advantage of people's, um, you know, uh, money yep. and, and, you know, but it's also, you know, there's a convenience factor too, you know, like, are you going to drive the, you know, we've talked about this. Are you going to drive to 20 different Walmarts and try to find a switch and burn, you know, a hundred dollars worth of gas, or are you just going to bite the bullet and pay the damn scalper what he wants? Because it then you, there's, yes, you're out of an 150 extra dollars, but you have what you want and you're not stressing out about it. And then it goes back to another part of like only the rich can afford to be toy collectors right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. I feel like you have to just have so much money because it's like, all right. And Aaron, I, I think you could agree on this. If you're a Star Wars fan, then most likely you're a He-Man fan. And if you're a He-Man fan, then, you know, most likely you're a TNMT fan. So it's like. You know, you have all these toy lines coming out like Star Wars Black Series, NECA with their turtles, the He-Man series, uh, Transformers, G.I. Joe now. You know, and, and it's funny because like, okay, if you like G.I. Joe, then maybe 80% you're going to like Star Wars. And if you like Star Wars, so it's like, you know, yeah. you could be multi into different fan bases you know okay. it doesn't have to be just turtles so it's like now you have to be very careful with your money all right i have to pay rent and i gotta eat today so like <laughs> i can't buy toys i gotta eat i can't buy toys you know i gotta pay my rent not be homeless in the street so like what am i gonna do 
So yeah, like you have to be in a dollar bottom and be like, okay, like, can I really shell out all this money? And you know what's crazy is that Super Seven, they're also doing the turtles. So you have yeah. NECA doing turtles, Super Seven doing turtles. And honestly, this is like the best time to be a Ninja Turtle fan because you have the Toon Turtles, the movie turtles, Super yeah. Seven doing their versions. Then, like, you have He-Man doing And now G.I. Joe is coming with the retro, or, like, original. So it's like, man, can you keep up with all this stuff, man? And that's why I told myself, Aaron. I'm like, yeah. you know what? I can't collect everything. You know, I'm just going to stick to one thing. And that that's why when you sent me the, uh, the other day, you were like, hey, Steve, you want this? It was like the mutagen thing. And I was yeah. like, oh, man. I'm like, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I want it. But I'm just like, all right, let me just stick to just, like, the movie line because if i dabble into everything i'm gonna be broke <laughs> like oh yeah oh, i'm yeah. just gonna be broke it, well it's it's so so like you know when we grew up you know you could walk into a, a toy store and get a figure for under five dollars you know uh, and and now everything is twenty dollars twenty five dollars yeah and i understand inflation and all that stuff but there's a, you know, it's a, it's just a, you know, you, you will go broke if you, if you go into the store and you continuously buy, you know, three, four figures, you know, I mean, three, four figures now is going to cost you 80 bucks, yep. you know, and, and, you know, like I picked up, you know, two of the, the GI Joe classifieds today, that's 40 bucks, you know, the mutagen, um, you know, and that didn't even have any figures in it, you know, it was a t-shirt, it was like a, a, a tote bag some guitar picks and a, like a, you know, uh, a ticket stub, I think wow. and it was cool. I, and it's a cool display. You know, I, I showed you the picture. I'm, I'm doing the, uh, I got the muta bus and yep. I'm doing all the rocking turtles. So I, I ended up picking up one of them just for the display. Cause it's like, you know, that goes with that Ninja turtles rock and roll theme, but that was 25 bucks and that didn't even have a figure in it. Wow, you know? man. And so, you know, you will go broken. I think you do at some point have to pick and choose. Okay. Am I going to collect He-Man? Am I going to collect, you know, Ninja Turtles? Am I going to collect GI Joe? But I, it's these damn toy companies. They're pulling at our, at our eighties childhood heartstrings, you know, (laughs) and they're going, you know what, we're going to release this really cool figure. And you're looking at it up, you know, if you find, if you're lucky enough to find it on the shelves and you go, damn, I, I need that He-Man figure or even like the crossovers, um, you know, the, the He-Man uh, WWF or WWE figures. Yep. Those are awesome. I got the first two waves because they're amazing. Third wave has been hard as hell to find. It has um, been hard. Yep. The, you know, the Undertaker scare glow. I want that so bad. You yeah, know, me too. Um, I can't find that though. <laughs> Actually, like, <laughs> well, I cannot again, find that either. Like it's, it's a Walmart exclusive. Oh, here so, we go. You know, there, there's, there's your Walmart, you know, the, 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 the foot soldiers stealing the stuff out of the trucks and putting them in their secret lair. <laughs> I mean, seriously, man, it's funny because like, uh, so somebody, uh, after the Judith Hogue thing on NECA and she talked about the whole figure thing, uh, somebody adds a comment and they're like, they're already sold out. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Not even in production. They're like, that's already sold out. Like, yeah. and that's everybody's like answer to everything now. Oh, they're at Walmart. It's already sold out. So, like, like now, 
when I see like, oh, it's a Walmart or Target, I'm like, yeah, it's not going to be on my Walmart or Target. But I will tell you this, Aaron, and, and I don't understand this. People in the Midwest, North Dakota, Tennessee, Arkansas, for some reason, on these toy group pages that I'm in, those Walmarts are filled to the brim with everything. Hey, yeah. check, out, check out North Dakota. Uh, Ghostbuster Plasma Series, Transformers, WWE, uh, uh, G.I. Joe, the NECA Turtles. I'm like, what is going on? And like, maybe the Midwest isn't that big into toy collecting like we are here in the East Coast or the West Coast. But like out there, there's just tons yeah. of that stuff. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I've noticed that, too. I've noticed that a lot of the stores kind of in the middle of the country, you know, that they still have stock and stuff because I, I think, uh, you know, we're probably in the same toy groups on yeah. Facebook. And and it's it's like I, my jaw just drops. You know, these guys are taking pictures. Hey, you know, look, look what I found in my Walmart and they got carts full. And and it's like, you know, I've walked into Walmart for the past three months and I haven't found anything, you know, <laughs> and and, you know, I mean, it's it's just crazy. And and but that goes um, I follow um, uh, Zach Ryder was his name. Uh, the major wrestling figure podcast. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm drawing a uh, Matt Cardona. Yep. Um, I follow him and I, and I, you know, cause he, he talks a lot about the distribution issues that um, these companies are having. And I really think that there are distribution issues with target, with Walmart, that some stores get a hundred and other stores get five, you know? And yeah. I don't know how they determine who gets what, but man, they need to show some love up here to the Northeast. You know, Target, Walmart, if you're listening, <laughs> you, you need to show some the Northeast some love with with some some figure stocking up here. Yeah, man. Seriously, man. I don't know who that truck driver is, but man, somebody pay that guy like two grand to like bring some extra stuff over here. Cause I mean, I don't know, man. I might just like get in contact with the mob remember how when the mob used to like stop cigarette trucks and like you know like stop yeah. meat meat pro products like hey man M mr Langori, i'm gonna pay you like you know 10 grand can you stop this walmart truck up over here in the north <laughs> just take so over it's, that's that's funny you bring that up i was watching the netflix series about the mob right and um you know about when the whole rico act and everything one of the lawyers that was defending one of the mobsters I, I i don't know which family it was but i guess his daughter wanted the cabbage patch doll when the cabbage patch doll was released <laughs> yeah. and so he goes on record you know in in the netflix documentary saying you know yeah I, my daughter really wanted this cabbage patch doll they were sold out everywhere the this mob guy that he's representing in the court case comes to him with a case, a case of six. And is basically like, here, this is for your daughter, for everything that you're doing for me. And it's that same mentality. We need mobsters to get some damn action figures. I mean, seriously, man. I, I like, has it gotten to that point that that's what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to dwell into like, uh, the underground criminal black market just to get some of these toys like oh man I, I i guess so i mean i you know going on ebay and paying some of these prices you already feel like a criminal 
oh my god like it's crazy and you know what's funny speaking of that like uh you know i'm, I'm in the toy groups uh same toy groups as you and i'm seeing people like oh man i had to bite the bullet i didn't want to do this but like here we go i had to pay the 150 and some people yeah. are really holding off and you know I, I feel bad when i read those comments like oh man i had to bite the bullet man like i just couldn't i had to get it you know it's like a it's like a it's like a drug addict like oh man I know it's this, but I need it, man. <laughs> I need yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you know, happy happiness releases endorphins. And, you know, when you get that thing, yeah, it sucks spending that 150. But when you get it, you know, you, you're going to be happy. You're not you might not be happy with the price, but you're going to be happy that you have it in your collection. You know, yeah. and and I think a lot of us, you know, some people look at it as, a, as an investment you know, some people think like, oh, I'm going to buy this toy. I'm going to leave it in package and I'm going to use it as an investment. If you don't look at it from an investment standpoint and you just look at it from a, I just want this to keep it in my collection, then I think it's worth whatever you're going to pay for it, you know? Um, but I think a lot of people, I would say the vast majority of people probably look at it of, I like this figure, but if, if, if somebody offered me $80 for it and I just paid 20 for it, I'll probably sell it because then I'll get it down the line again. You know, I think a majority yeah. of people look at it this way, but the person that's going to spend, you know, the bite the bullet and spend that 150, that's staying with them for the rest of their life. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. 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 I definitely agree on that, man. Hey, you know, what I was going to ask you is how do you feel about when companies, for example, let's talk about Hasbro, right? And, you know, Hasbro has the, the hash lab. And at first, out of nowhere, last year when it was like, we're going to make the Unicron. It's like the biggest Transformer ever. But we need $600 from you by tomorrow. And everybody's like, well, tomorrow? They need 600 yeah. from me tomorrow? And then, like, they kind of ease back and let people, you know, actually, like, you can't just tell somebody, hey, drop 600 you know, so we can like back this up and like make it into production. And my whole thing with that is, guys, you're Hasbro. Like, why do you need backing from people to make Unicron? And I and, and I think there's two for me. I think there's two reasons. One reason is that again, it's geared towards us, the adult adult collectors, because what little kid's gonna go out there and buy a Unicron right now? Um, so obviously if they're going to make this, they want to make sure that they make a profit out. So, okay, I get it. You want us to put money into this. Um, and also it's like, for them, it's like, okay, we didn't spend any of our money to produce this, but like, how do you feel about like, for, like stuff like that? Like Aaron, like when a toy company is asking you like with the barge and Unicron, I think right now we have, uh, the Sentinel coming out mm -hmm. from Ash Lab, which is like, listen, I love X-Men. I would love this Sentinel, but man, yeah. it's it's close to $400. And I just can't see myself right now dropping $400 on a Sentinel. Don't get me wrong. Sentinels are badass. I love Sentinels because, you know, they're the ones that hunt the mutants down. But my man, I don't know. Like, how do you feel about all that? I, I think, I think now I don't know how much profit they're actually making off that when they're asking you to drop a certain amount of money, I feel now, now this, now I don't know. I, I haven't seen any of the numbers, but you know, just from a business perspective, if you're asking somebody to put that much money down, 
I think that their probably their profit margin is probably very minimal and they're only doing it for the fans. Like I know with the uh with the sale barge, I was want with the job of sale barge, I was watching that really closely. And I because I mean that was really interesting to me. And they were I think that started as a Kickstarter or was that Yeah, it uh, it, it, it started as a Kickstarter and then it got into yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, and then it went into the the, the second phase, yeah. and um, that was really interesting to me because they were they were they said, you know, we're only going to produce you know however many backers we have, and so you know that that for one it was cool because if you backed it and you paid the money, you knew that you were going to get a very limited product, but you know you got to think you know there's a lot of molds that go in there's a lot of you know, um, you know, time and, and money that goes into creating these specific molds for these specific, um, you know, figures or parts of the vehicle or Unicron. I mean, if they're making this the largest transformer they ever made, I mean, they have to make the molds to make the parts, you know, so it's not like they could just reuse an old mold and say, oh, here, you know, like uh, Optimus Prime, you know, uh, Ecto, whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. You know, okay, we're going to use this part and this part and this mold, but we're just going to put a new paint job on it. I think that, you know, their profit margin is probably, they're probably still making money, but it's probably very minimal. Um, I feel like that is a more fan driven, you know, aspect of, of the toy collecting. But again, goes back to, you got to have money in order to do this. But I guarantee you that person, there's, there's probably a few people that look at it from a business perspective of go, well, I'll buy two of them. I'll keep one and I'll sell the other on eBay or the, the Facebook marketplace or whatever for double. And I'll make my money back. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people, yeah, that's true. A lot of people do look at this as like a business venture too because um do you remember when uh <laughs> and this just tanked when Hashlab was trying to do the cookie monster and they were trying no, to get a back I didn't see that one. Oh, when you have the chance, Aaron, just go online and look that up. So listen, I love uh Sesame Street, love Jim Hansen, you know what I'm saying? Love the uh, the Hanson Company, obviously, they did the turtle costumes for the movies, and they did a lot of great movies. And so they were they were going to come up with a life-size actual cookie monster, like an actual puppet. Uh, and okay. it, looked, it looked amazing. But then, like, in my mind, I was like, okay, how many people out there are really into the Muppets like that, you know, and into having an actual cookie monster, and it tanked? You know, a lot of people, they were asking for like 500 or $400 like for backing for this thing, and that didn't go yeah. through. Then I remember the um, Maddie Collector, when they were doing the Ghostbusters stuff before, mm -hmm. they were trying to do an, uh, an Ecto-1, like a one-on-one -on -one replica Ecto-1, this huge one, and they were asking for backing, and that didn't even happen because they didn't have a lot of backers. So, right. like... I don't know, like, like it's a, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing because, for example, like, let's say you were like into Cookie Monster like that, and you're like, yeah, all right, I'll back this up right away. But then, like, I didn't get enough backers, and you're like, oh, great, like, it looks like my dream just got crushed having a life-size <laughs> Cookie Monster, you know? So yeah, 
But I think you have to be realistic too. And I, I mean, as long as you get your money back in the end, I mean, you could support something, you know, I mean, I, I, now I've never bought something off of Kickstarter or whatever, but I mean, I got to think that there's a bunch of Kickstarters that never made it, you know, that didn't make yeah. the, their goals. And, and, and then at the end, you know, that you get your money back. I, I, I think, I think it's a, a, a grand gesture and I think it's a kind of a, uh, you know, kudos to the company if you do get something that goes off the ground, like the Unicron, like the sail barge and, and stuff like that, because, you know, I, I think that, you know, you're giving something back to the fan community that has maybe wanted something for so long. But, you know, the, the toy companies have just not produced it because it's too big of an endeavor unless you have that kind of money, that guaranteed money up front, you know. So I think that's the key is that, you know, having that guaranteed money up front. But um, I'm going to kind of jump jump to a skew because you talked about stuff failing. And I wanted to talk about this with you because it was really messed up. Um, that Trolls doll. I want to talk about that Trolls doll. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll let you take this, man, because, oh, man. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yes. For those listening, we're going to talk about the whole uh, – crazy dilemma thing with like the trolls and uh hasbro so <laughs> well you brought it to my attention i'll take the lead if you want me to. That's yeah fine. yeah yeah go go ahead aaron why don't you tell the audience what's going on why don't you tell the audience what's going on with that little piece of cookie right well yeah yeah so this is so you want to talk about something failing? This is failing. This is burning. This is this is being thrown into the dumpster. This is being set on fire. This is bad, you know. Um, so trolls, what it was the trolls world tour doll pop, poppy. Um, all of a sudden, these these talking. It was like it was a talking doll that was released and, and very innocent very uh very cute you know whatever it was a big kind of what was 12 inch yeah 12, 12 inch, inch. Troll doll, i think yeah and um you know so on the back it says has 10 phrases so you push the the button and it talks and whatever well a mother on youtube discovered that underneath if you looked in its um private part genital area there was a second button and the button that was pressed would make these kind of weird noises. It would giggle. It would, it would kind of like, oh, you know, it would kind of make a little surprise noise. And nowhere on the box did it say that it had this second button. Nowhere on the box did it say anything about this feature. And somehow, some way, some toy designer sneaked this kind of very sexualized button in into this children's toy and man mothers fathers everybody was pissed because it it was weird it was it was scary it's like why why are you sexualizing a child's toy why is this button in the private area and um the one video that i sent you that that i that you know i found was um you know talking about like grooming children uh, uh that, that this is okay and i thought it was totally messed up screwed up whoever toy designer that that should be should be fired whoever was even in on that line should be fired it was bad it was really bad yeah you know like yeah i remember i i i brought this up to you i sent you through you uh through through messenger 
And you were like, yeah. what? Then you sent me the video, and I'm watching the video, and I'm like, it's one thing to read about it, but then, like, when you watch that video, I'm just like, okay, who, first of all, Hasbro, if you're listening to this right now, and I know you're not, but <laughs> if, you, if you are listening to this right now, come on, man. What's going on with your quality control there? I mean, come on. There's the toy designer. First of all, you have the designer that designs it on the computer, you know, the actual design. Then you got the sculpting. Then at the end, you got to have quality control, man. The quality assurance. Like, you really telling me that putting a button and a little kid's freaking toy in the general area, that's going to pass and be like, yep, ship them. Like, come on. Like, really? Like, no, man. Somebody, somebody in Hasbro messed up. You know, now there's all these toy recalls for this doll. And this is not the first time that we've had toy recalls because, man, I could go down the line right now with toys that have had recalls. For example, let's go back to Star Wars with the Boba Fett firing action uh, uh, Boba Fett where a little kid fired it and the missile got stuck in his throat and it got lodged. So that happened with it was actually um, Battlestar Galactica. Oh yes, so, you're right. It was Battlestar, yeah, so, and and yeah, Battlestar because the the ships shot the rocket, and then um the the so the Boba Fett was in production, right? And then that that's the kid got the the missile stuck down the throat. They said Star Wars said nope, we're yep. not doing that. They pulled it back, and then they they recalled all the Battlestar ships so that the um the the rocket wouldn't fire out so if you if you if you're listening and you have a battle starship with the rocket that fires out that's worth a lot more because that was prior to the recall yeah yeah and also like those those i mean i don't know who has a firing boba fett but i know those are really hard to get um especially there's one that has the back end that looks like an l and then the other one that looks like a j like in the back of the firing mechanism so yeah i mean you have that toy recall um, you also have Nightmare on Elm Street. So when the Nightmare movies came out with Freddy Krueger and Robert England playing the iconic character, these dolls came out of Freddy Krueger. And when they first came out, you had this all these religious types, these reverends like, oh, this is demonic, such a demonic doll. We need to get this off the market. You're trying to sell demons to our child. And guess what? There goes Freddy Krueger. And again, if you're listening right now, you have one of those first Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy Kruegers, you're holding a little bit of cash right there because that was another toy that got recalled. And it's like, you know, like for toy companies, like, okay, I get it when it comes to like a firing missile. I get it when it comes to like a, a Freddy Krueger doll. Some people don't want to get it. But like, I'm sorry, Hasbro, you put a button for a little kid that does a giggling sound in his genitalia area. I mean, come on, man. Like, somebody screwed up, man. I feel bad for whoever that person is, man, because he is getting reprimanded or he or she right now. So that's yeah. not a good look. I mean, it's, not a, it's not a good look, but it just makes you wonder, you know, like how many of, you know, these toy companies are producing stuff like that. And, and I mean, you had, you know, you, you – you know, kids are very impressionable anyways. And to have something like that and, and kudos to the mom and dads that, that have spoken out about this, 
you know, just something isn't right. Like it's taking the innocence away from toys. You know, when we, when we were kids and we would go into the toy stores, you know, sure. There might not have been warning labels like, you know, like crazy, like, Oh, choking hazards, you know, and all this other stuff, you know, but at least, you know, they, they were, the toys had not, there not, not everything was sexualized uh, as it is today, you know? And it's just, you know, I think, I think kids, you know, like you said, you know, the kids that are seven to 11, you know, they're not playing with toys. They're not playing with figures. They're playing video games or doing stuff on the TV. Well, you're introducing them to a lot of stuff that like we, we as kids weren't introduced to, you know, I mean, I'm the generation that got my first computer when I was a teenager and didn't, you know, finally knew what the internet was, you know, probably at 15, you know? And so like, it's it's different for us because we were that generation that you know played outside and played with action figures and played with all this stuff we didn't have these distractions but i feel like kids today they're growing up too fast you know like you're you're not the youth of today is just you know a lot different but to put something like that on a toy shame on them yeah yeah man and you know I, you hit the nail on the head with like saying that the youth of today it's not like how we grew up because like technology and toys have changed to the max because we come from a generation where my first video game console was a Nintendo, you know, yeah. and and now you have save states. You can actually save your game. And I remember being a kid, my mom saying, shut that off and go to sleep. And I'm like playing Zelda no, or like no. Mario. <laughs> I, can't, I can't save this thing. I'm a level like 22. <laughs> So I literally have to leave it on, put like a T-shirt over the system so that the red button doesn't show, then shut off the TV, go to sleep, wake up the next morning to continue, and that's if it didn't freeze, and continue yeah. the next morning. And it's like a lot of these kids are not going to understand that feeling of like, man, we really had to really play. You oh, know, yeah. like, 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 you know, blowing into your disc so that it can work and you know, actually going to rent games, NES games, or trading games off with your friend. And, like, now you can play games online. Like, your best friend can live in Hong Kong, and, like, you're playing in New Hampshire with your friend. And, you know, like, when we were kids, Aaron, you would be right next to me playing an NES game. Like, you're sitting right next to me, and it's a social thing. Now everything's online. You know, kids aren't really playing with toys anymore. And, uh, you know, it's funny because we're going to talk about movies also tonight and look at the film industry also like Aaron, do you remember when like in 1992 or 93, when a movie will come out in theaters, you know, you'll watch it. Let's say Ninja Turtles came out in 1990. I was like seven, eight years old. And I'm like, man, I can't wait to get this on VHS. And back then transferring a movie from film to VHS will take a year, maybe a year or so. Now with technology, you can literally show a movie in theaters and in a month or two, it's already streaming on and on Blu-ray. Like yeah. I remember being a kid. So like the time span now from going to screen to Blu-ray to streaming or, you know, like people making their own video games from home, like or making films now from home, like things have changed in the last 30 years dramatically, which is making okay. things so much easier. Like, yeah. Yeah. A, a, um, 
going on that, I, I just read an article the other day. AMC just passed a deal um, with uh, the the kind of distribution companies that said if a movie's released, they're giving them permission to release it on um, DVD and Blu-ray six weeks after the theatrical release. So wow, that's that, major. That is that that's is major. COVID, you know, that's COVID related obviously because amc you know movie theaters they're not making the money that they that they're going to be you know that they used to be making because nobody's going to the movie theaters anymore so these movie companies are trying to figure out how do we make money and so uh, let's say black widow you know that's going to be that's supposed to be released soon coming up um you know once that's released supposedly um amc theaters said that you you can release it on dvd uh blu-ray in six weeks Wow, that is that is it blows my mind that in six weeks you can get this film in yep. six weeks. And I, and I mean, like we have Bill and Ted three, which is going to be a VOD. Um, I think August 28th, that movie comes out or the 23rd. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's going to be uh, well, they're going to release it, I think, in I think in theaters and then it's going to go on VOD. But um, did you read that um, AMC? They're going to open up their theaters August 20th, and it's going to be 15 cents to see a movie. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. Um, that, that, that. That to me is just... Uh, I don't care if you're charging $15. I don't care if you're charging $150. But 15 cents, like, like I don't know. With everything going on in the world, I, you, you better take precautions. You better take guidelines. Because if you go into a movie theater and, you know, obviously everybody's going to go, oh, I can see the new, you know, Bill and Ted for 15 cents. You know, this is going to be awesome. Well, like if you got 200 people in there and there's a, you know, virus outbreak, you know, shame on AMC. You know, I don't, I don't know what their ploy is with that. I, I don't I don't understand it. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't get it either. But they wrote a statement saying we want to help people. And we're trying to bring it back to the 1920s when things were 15 cents. Listen, people, we're not in the 1920s. We're in 2020. So it's like, yeah. you know, not even that, but like we got COVID going on. So like, what are you going to yeah. do, man? Like, it's it's crazy. Yeah. And then like Walmart is trying to set up uh, drive-in uh, movie theaters in their parking lots as well. I think that's cool. I, yeah. I, I, I think that... Um, I think anything to, to, to kind of adapt and overcome, you know, during this time, um, setting up the old drive-ins where you stay in your car, you, you know, you bring your own snacks, you do whatever, you know, I don't know how, if you tune into the radio, that's how they used to do it. You tune into a radio station, you know, if they're, if they're doing it that way, you know, then, then I think that's awesome. Cause you're bringing, you're still having a family time or maybe a date night, you're, you're still with your family. You're in it. You're in your car. So you're safe and you're enjoying a, a new movie. I, you know, I think, I think making, um, you know, adapting and overcoming during this time is, is awesome, but you know, I, they better not charge you, you know, $30 a car to go, you know, to go <laughs> to the, the Walmart drive-in and take advantage of that situation, you know, cause most drive-ins, I know there's still a few drive-ins up in Maine, um, I, I don't know down in Florida where I used to live, um, there, there used to be the, the one at the swap shop, um, in Fort Lauderdale and, and um, you could, I think it was like five bucks a car, yeah. you know, 
So like, you know, you could go there with all your friends and, and for $5 and watch a drive-in movie theater, you know? So, you know, if they're going to do it right and, and charge like $5 a car or something like that, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. But yeah, hopefully they don't take advantage of what's going on and charge $30 per car, man, because right. that would just be insane. You know, and it's like you said, you want to take your family out, you know, have a good time, be safe. And just watch a movie. I know that some of the movies are like E.T., Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, you know, like the classic 80s films. Um, yeah, so I know. And Sony, Sony, um, obviously Sony has the Ghostbusters toys at Walmart. So, like, they have a lot of their movies being played for that drive-in theater for Walmart. So Yeah. Uh, but again, who, they're, who, whose heartstrings are they tugging on? Again, you know? man, it's us. <laughs> You know, we're, we're going to be the ones, you know, hey, let's go watch the Ghostbusters that we've seen yep. 300 times. But, you know, it's at Walmart, you know. Yeah, it, 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 it's us, man. And, and it's funny because do you remember uh, one of the toy episodes that we were talking with uh, with Ben and we asked him like, hey, do you really think that in the next 20, 30 years, like the, the same stuff that we were into in the 80s, you know, and 90s, like, is this stuff going to be like worth any money? And he said, yeah, like he, he still thinks that this stuff is going to be worth money because there will be people out there. So what I'm seeing currently right now is, OK, so our parents, uh, my mom and dad were born in 1954, 1955. They're both 65, 64 right now. And, you know, a lot of a lot of the baby boomers. They were collecting like Howdy Doody dolls or like little die cast cars or like whatever it was that they grew up with or stuff from the 70s. Then you have people like us where, you know, we're in our 30s or late 20s. And now that we have an income and we have money coming in, we want to start buying the stuff that we couldn't get when we were kids or the stuff that we remember uh, that's what we collect, the stuff that we do. So obviously us right now at our age, you know, being in our mid, late 30s or maybe even early 40s, yes, 80s stuff, 90s stuff, this is the stuff that we remember. But now Ben 10 and the kids that, that grew up in like the 2000s, you know, or like 90, that were born in 97, 98, 99, I'm seeing those kids like, ooh, Nintendo 64, Oh, I got to get a PS2. Oh, this is what I got to collect right now. And yeah. honestly, even at the flea market that we uh, frequently go to, man, and like I'm seeing young kids, maybe kids in the like 24, 25, and they're collecting the things that they knew from their childhood. So, yeah. you know, like I think, I, I think it's I think it's cyclical. You know, I think that I, I you know, I guess one of the things that, you know, I can kind of you know, I know a lot about video games and like Atari, right? Like Atari is not a good system. It's just a basic system, you know. Um, but, you know, there's not a lot of draw for Atari because of the gameplay and because of the graphics and all that other stuff. But I think because, you know, people that Atari was in the seventies, you know, um, it was pre Nintendo, you know, and I think the people that really collected that have kind of outgrown it. So I'm curious to see, um, you know, 
and and there are still people that collect Atari. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, at the flea markets, you know that 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 we go to, you can walk by five or six Ataris, and they're going to sit there all day. Yeah, you know? you're, yep, but, you're right. Yep. But you 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 walk by a Nintendo or a Super Nintendo, and that shit's gone in the first five minutes that the flea market opens. You know. Yeah. And so I think that's the difference. And may, maybe in ten years people are going to slow down a little bit and sit there and go, Oh, well, it's Nintendo, you know, or it's, you know, maybe, maybe they don't collect as much Nintendo. Maybe they're, they're still collecting the 64 and PS one. I had a good conversation with a buddy of mine about this, like, you know, we and PS two, um, because those systems, kids that are turning, you know, uh, you know, 1920. Now they played Wii and PlayStation two. So in another 10 years, they're trying to project like what, what's going to be the next big thing. People are already collecting like Wii games, PlayStation two games and all that stuff. And just putting them in storage units, kind of betting that in 10 years, that's going to be hot because they're going to be our age now and sit there and go, I want that when I was younger. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. And, and you know what's funny, Aaron, that you say that? Because last Sunday, I did pass by one of the vendors, and there was an Atari with Atari games there, and nobody bought it. No, it <laughs> was there all bought, day. Yeah, all day. And it's so funny that you say that because I have bumped into so many Ataris at the at our local flea market, and nobody grabs that stuff. It just sits no, there. But, but if, it's a, if it's a GameCube or a Nintendo 64, it's gone. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, and and man, you know, you know, we know those video game dudes at our local flea market. Those guys are like hawks. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> those guys can't. Those guys are like, I smell NES games over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty cutthroat. Yeah, it is, man. Speaking of the flea market, man, I, I just gotta bring up the story, man. So for the audience that are listening to this right now, me and Aaron, we go to a, uh, you know our, our local flea market r- religiously. We're pretty much almost there almost every Sunday, you know, just collecting, shooting the shit. Uh, our friend Dave, uh, he owns a, a local toy shop there, and he also gives us great deals on toys. But Aaron was telling me, he's like, hey, Steve, you know what I'm looking for if you find one? I'm like, what's that? A G1 Megatron. Even if it's just the parts and pieces, and I'm like, oh, you know, that's cool. And uh, there's a guy, uh, I'm not gonna mention his name, but there's a guy at the flea market, and like, you know, I've bought like a talk boy from him, uh, my uh, Technodrome, and uh, Aaron. Uh, again, thank you for the talk boy because you gave me the heads up. You ended up calling me. I was on the other side of the flea market. You're like, Steve, you gotta get the talk boy right now. I was like, what the hell? I was like losing my shit, man. So, uh, anyways, uh. You know, that day, Aaron's telling me, yeah, I'm looking for, you know, a G1 Megatron. And, you know, we go we go to this vendor and uh, we're asking him, like, hey, do you have any toys? And he's like, yeah, I think I got some Transformers. And we're like, oh, man, can we see the Transformers? So, you know, he goes in his car and I'm thinking, all right, he's going to pull out the box. Aaron's looking for a G1 Megatron. Let's see what this guy has. Hey, do you guys like PlayStation? And... <laughs> Me and Aaron just standing there looking at the guy. We're like, nah, nah, we're just here for the toys. He goes back in the truck, pulls something else out. And what was it? I forgot what the second item was. Laser laser tag. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey, you guys like laser tag? And Aaron's just staring at me, and I'm like, uh, nah, man, we just want the Transformers. 
And then he pulled on one more thing. I'm not. I'm just, I just, it was three things. I forgot what the item was. And I I'm can't just, remember what the third one was. Yeah, and I'm just like, dude, we just want the transformers. So he takes out the transformers, and automatically they were like, you know, like the new school like transformers, and we're like, nah, nah, nah. So he looks at us. He's like, oh, so I, I guess I don't have good stuff on guys. And we're like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> We just ended up just walking away, and then and then and then our, our good friend Dave, all he did was look into the window of the car in the passenger seat. He just walked away. Yeah, he knew. He, I told I told and I told you. I said he scoped it out before us. We shouldn't have even stayed or asked or whatever. I said if Dave didn't see anything good in the car, we don't need to stay. Yeah, he just literally just walked away. He was like, "Yeah, I already knew there was nothing good in there." I was like, "Man, uh-huh. his toy radar is like really good, man." Oh yeah, my god! I, just, I, I didn't. I couldn't say anything because I think I was a little bit annoyed, and I didn't want to say anything that <laughs> that I was going to regret. But I just loved your comment. You were just like, "So do you have the transformers <laughs> in your car or what?" You know, it's just it was, at, at that point we were just like, "Okay, we, like we don't want the PlayStation, we don't want the laser tag." I can't remember what else he pulled out, but he pulled something else that we're like, no, just give us the toys. <laughs> oh, my God. That's uh, See, because here's the thing. Like, at the flea market, you know, we go there, Aaron, because we're trying to find deals. You know, we're yeah. not trying to pay Comic-Con prices or, like, eBay prices. And, you know, there was a, a gentleman there, and, you know, I was trying to buy some toys off him. And I'm like, how much is that? $150. And you ended up getting one of the turtles that he had. And I remember, like, about two weeks ago asking him, oh, man, you got one of those, like, giant vintage turtles. Like, how much do you want? I want $87. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, very, very aggressive. And he had a box of, like, McDonald's toys. So I'm pulling out, like, the McNuggets. You know, um, that moon guy from the 80s, his face was like the moon. And McDonald's had him as, like, a spokesperson. You know, uh, annoyed and some couple just little trinkets and stuff. And the guy looks at him. It's like five things, twenty five dollars he wanted. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, twenty five dollars. I'm like, bro, I put everything back in. I'm like, oh, listen, I'm just going to say this right now. If you're a vendor and you're listening to this and you're selling stuff at a local flea market for double the eBay price or convention prices, then stop okay like no it's a flea market people are going there to get deals nobody's gonna spend a hundred if i'm gonna spend 165 dollars i might as well just get it on ebay yeah 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 i i I think some people have their expectations too high on some things or maybe they might have a sentimental attachment to it or they're trying to look on eBay before they go to the flea market and sell it there. So about that turtle. So I think when I asked them about it, it was like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I said, how much is the turtle? And he said, $50. And I said, I can't do 50. It's, it's just a basic giant turtle, no belt, no accessories, nothing. And, and I mean, it's in good shape, but so the next week I saw it and I said, how about 40, you know, or, you know, I think, I think I asked them, 
you know, how much is it now? And he said, 40. I said, no, nah, I think I'm still firm on 30. You know, I think that was my, my bottom line. So then the, the next week he still had it, you know, and I said, okay, but how about 30? It's been two or three weeks now, you know, and he was like, okay, yeah, you've been persistent, you know, I'll give it to you for 30. But I mean, like if he just would have gave me 30, you know, g- given it to me for 32 weeks ago, it would have been, you know, fine. But I think, I think sometimes too, you know, you got to think how many people come up and maybe, you know, I'm not trying to defend the vendors, but maybe say, Hey, I'll give you $5 for something. And you know, it's worth a hundred, you know? Yeah. I'm sure, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a level of frustration that I, I've seen as a buyer where somebody comes up and says, Oh, how much is that? Oh, that's 20 bucks. Oh, I'll, I'll give you five, five. You know, I can understand that. So maybe he was just having a bad day or I'm not trying to defend the guy. But, you know, I think that there are vendors there that, you know, I, I ran into one a couple of weeks ago that, you know, they had a, a Wii system and it was a bare bones Wii system, you know, not, no games, two controllers. And I said, how much are you asking? And he goes, oh, I want a hundred bucks. And I just said, nope. All right. Have a good day. Because it's it's 30 bucks, maybe maybe 25 yeah. bucks all day long, you know, but you know, if you want that money, you got to sell it on eBay and take the fees and all that other stuff. No. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. But yeah, man. So that's a little flea market story adventure. And, uh, obviously this episode, we're talking about stuff that we grew up with, things that are being remade. So I got this list and I'm just going to run down this list real quick. And, uh, obviously things are made for us, for the adults, for the kids that grew up in the eighties and the nineties and just like toys, TV shows or movies are being remade to cater to us. And yep. I'm going to run down the line. So these are 80s and 90s TV show and movie reboots for 2020. I'm going to start off with this cartoon show. This cartoon show was produced by Steven Spielberg. It was hilarious. It was on Fox. All right. And the writing was awesome. The writing staff I feel like in the 90s, the writing staff and some of these cartoon shows, it had a lot of adult humor. And as kids, we didn't really understand some of the adult humor. But when you go back and you watch it, you're like, whoa. So that's what they meant by that. So Animaniacs is coming back on TV. Animaniacs will be on Hulu, if I'm not mistaken. And Rob Paulson, and if you guys don't know who Rob Paulson is, he's a famous voice actor. He does Pinky in the Brain. He did Futurama. Uh, did a lot of the voices on Animaniacs. He's coming back. A lot of the original writers are coming back, and Steven Spielberg's coming back to produce. So I am excited to see Yakko, Wacko, and Da, and to see Good Idea, Bad Idea, and uh, The Wheel of Morality, Turn, 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 Tell Us the Lesson That We Should Learn. And, you know, I, I, I love this stuff, man. So that's going to be awesome that Animaniacs will be coming back, man. I don't know. Did you hear about that, uh, Aaron? Yeah, I think I think we found the same because um, we kind of discussed this. I think we found the same list. So oh, I was, I right, was, right. I was looking online and I was like, huh, you know, that's interesting. And um, I was reading the list and that was the first one. And I saw that and I was like, that is that is fantastic because I can't tell you how many weekdays I would come home um, from school, pop on the TV and Animaniacs would be on, you know, and then maybe watch like Power Rangers, you know, something, you know, but Animaniacs had a lot of innuendos, man. And <laughs> it, it's fantastic because 
as a kid, you didn't get it, but watching it as an adult, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> you're like, Whoa, okay. You know? And oh. um, I loved, I loved all the little like kind of mini cartoons within the cartoon. I think that was kind of like my, my favorite part of Animaniacs, but I, I mean, just the, the sheer craziness of it. And, and it, it's, it's one of those cartoons that if you've never watched, you can pick it up and watch it and you will be hooked. It's, it's, it's addicting. It's fantastic. Cause the humor is so witty and the writing was so good. And I think that that's just something that you don't get in today's TV shows. No, you don't. And it's funny because a lot of those writers, uh, like Conan O'Brien wrote for the Simpsons. And, uh, a lot of writers came from like prestige colleges, like Harvard university, New York, like, some of these writers back then in the 90s, like they graduated from some of these top schools and really smart, witty guys just writing a lot of this humor. And one of my favorite little mini cartoons in Animanus, because you, you mentioned the, the mini cartoons in it, was Chicken Boo. And Chicken oh, yeah. Boo, uh, for those that never watched Animaniacs, Chicken Boo was actually a chicken and he would wear a disguise to look like human guys, but he's not a man, he's a Chicken Boo. And I remember there was a an episode where ch- <laughs> he was the president of the United States and he's actually a chicken just wearing like a suit jacket and everybody's treating him like the president. But in every episode, there was this one person that was like, he's a chicken, I tell you, a chicken. And like, finally, like his suit jacket comes off and they believe the person and like, I would just be dying. Like, how does nobody know this guy's a chicken? He's not the president. Like. Yeah, it's almost like um, the fairly, uh, what is it, the fairly odd parents, you oh know, my God, where, it's, yes. where it's like fairy godparents, you know, it's like that guy's a chicken. You know, I think I think my favorite mini cartoon was um, Mindy and Buttons, the little girl and the dog. Oh, that was a classic. And, and it's like buttons, bad dog. You know, I mean, the dog, the dog saves the day and the, the, the girl's always getting into trouble and, and it's, and it's great. But then at the end of every episode, the, the mom kind of like the, the mom from Muppet babies, you only see her legs, yeah. you know, it's like bad dog, <laughs> bad dog buttons. This poor dog saves this girl every day and he gets scolded. But then, but then, but then uh, Mindy gives him a hug and it's all better. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I remember that, man. I got to go back and start because Animaniacs is on Hulu, the original cartoon. So I got to go back and start watching some of that. But uh, next on the list is CBS Peacock streaming is bringing back Punky Brewster. Punky Brewster? Yes. And the original actress will be coming back as Punky Brewster herself. But I think Ooh. she's either going to be mentoring or gonna it's going to have a kid or something. But, yeah, Punky Brewster is coming back on CBS Peacock. So that's something that they're working on. <clears throat> so, so maybe we didn't find the same list and maybe I got, maybe I, get, I got a trick up my sleeve. So I found, I, I don't know too much about Punky Brewster, but um, Rugrats um, is oh, supposed wow. to be making a, a new movie. Really? Supposedly Paramount um, named the director for the new Rugrats film. Um and it's supposed to be released on uh, January 29th, 2021, but there's supposed to be a new Rugrats movie coming out. That's awesome. Man, I love Rugrats too growing up. And uh, 
I loved Reptar, man. Every time there was a Reptar <laughs> episode, Holt, I am Reptar. Holt, I am, oh my God, Reptar cereal, Reptar bar. I used to love Reptar, man. Yeah. It's funny. Did, it's, you, um, did, you get, did you ever get a chance to get a Reptar bar from FYE when they came out? Uh, I didn't. My little brother did, and it had like green stuff on the inside, he was telling me. Yeah, because like, it, it it's supposed to dye your tongue green like in the show. And so, like, he would bite, he would bite it, and like, it didn't really work. At least my wife and I got one, and we tried it. It was good chocolate, but the the the, the green dye did. I was expecting like to stick my tongue out, like when you ate like those those little paint gumballs as a kid, that your tongue would just be you know painted. It, it was green, but it was like kind of like a faded green. But it was still cool that you could kind of like eat the reptile bar, and your tongue would go green. Oh, that is awesome, man. Oh, man. I wish I wish I would have known about that. It's funny, man. I'm looking at my toy collection. I do have a Reptar uh, in one of the shelves, man. It's like a little green Reptar. Anything Reptar, I'll buy, man, because yeah. it just brings me back to, like, Rugrats, man. So that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't know about the Rugrats thing, Aaron. So that's that's good to know. I didn't know that one. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we got different lists. No, yeah, that 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 that's good, man. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Um, the next one on my list, Aaron, and I don't know if you remember this as a kid, was Amazing Stories from Steven Spielberg. I I, I don't. I mean, was it well? Was it the? It was a book series, right? Yeah. So Amazing Story was it was kind of like Steven Spielberg's version of the Twilight Zone, um, and it was just different stories. Uh, um, the last time it aired was in 1987, and um, Apple TV has a reboot right now, and it's actually playing right now on Apple TV. But like, I remember watching Amazing Stories as a kid, and, and again, it was just like little mini stories. Like it'll be like an hour. Um, each episode was like 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. But like, uh, yeah, man, it was kind of like the Twilight Zone, but with that Steven Spielberg like feel to it, man. So, okay. I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I, I'm, I I thought that it was a uh, a book series, but I didn't know that um, there was a uh, a TV series. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so yeah, they're they're bringing that back, man. Uh, you have anything on your list there? I do. Um, supposedly, they might be bringing back. Are you afraid of the dark? Oh my! I didn't even know this one either. What? It's um. It says it's supposed to be coming back out as a film from Paramount Pictures and a television series on Nickelodeon. Wow, a film. Now I wonder if the film is gonna be aimed at teens or adult. Like you know, like oh, that's interesting. So it's supposedly. I'm I'm guessing it was it was supposed to premiere um late last year but i think with everything going on um it's it's to be announced but supposedly it was in production and it maybe maybe it's kind of the the ace up um the sleeve in uh, nickelodeon to kind of bring back the the older viewers uh, of those of those days of like all that what is it well, it was snick right yeah saturday snick. night nick Yep. With like all that, are you afraid of the dark and a couple other shows? Keenan and Kel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, oh my God. You know what I remember us, Nick? Do you remember um all that when they did uh Action League Now? It was like yeah. the action figures. 
Yeah, I think I posted a video of that on the on the podcast uh, Facebook page a couple nights ago. Yeah, you did. Uh, and one of them that you posted was uh, Flabemius and Bob, which is like the alien with the monkey or something. Yes, yes. Oh, my God, I remember that. That would have been such a cool action figure. That or the Action League Now toys. That would have been awesome, man. I mean, I watched uh, I watched probably three or four episodes of that Action League now, and that brought me back. I mean, Meltman, yeah, and, you know, and what was it, Stinky Steve, the scuba diver, or something, you know? Yeah. And I mean, they, they were a naked, naked man. I mean, the, it was the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. He's I mean, super were, strong and super naked. <laughs> I mean that that stuff was just it was it was so dumb but it was so awesome and it's like you know like I remember watching you know um Ren and Stimpy my mom and dad hated Ren and Stimpy hated Ren and Stimpy and I'd be what they they'd be, they'd be kind of like sitting in the same room and I'd be laughing and you know Stimpy would be picking something out of his ear or his nose or whatever and I would just be dying and and they were like you know powdered toast man would be flying in and and you're just like going my my parents are like why are you watching this and I'm like <laughs> I love it I don't care I love it and that's another one that they're supposed to be bringing back yeah, apparently Comedy Central is bringing back Ren and Stimpy. Um, now, my whole thing is this. Did you hear the drama that's happening with John John Krafowski, the creator of Ren and Stimpy? No. All right, so there's a documentary that's coming on about him, and uh, I actually watched this YouTube. Somebody made a YouTube. So what happened was this. John Krafowski, for those that don't know, he is the creator of Ren and Stimpy, and Ren and Stimpy, even though it was a show on Nickelodeon, had a lot of adult contact to the point where there was an episode that was banned on Nickelodeon because it was starting George Licker. And George Licker was, was this character who, in the name, drank liquor. And actually, he's in an episode of Ren and Stimpy where Ren and Stimpy enter a dog contest and he's training them to win the dog contest. And he's like, come on, let's go. He's always yelling at them. Anyways, uh, that episode got banned. But John Krafowski, what ended up happening was he was exploiting young girls where he would get these letters like, oh, Mr. John, you inspire me to be an animator. And he will write back to the women like, hey, you know what? Why don't you come down and come work? at Spunko, which was like his animation studio for Ren and Stimpy. And these girls will come down to work at Spunko and they'll be like assistant uh, producers or production assistants on the show. And it was just a way for him to hit on them. Now, listen, I'm not saying that the guy did this or like these are the facts or, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't see any of this. This is coming from the women that are alleging that John did this to them. Um, there is a documentary that's going to come out about this soon, and I'm very interested in watching it, but I guess Nickelodeon right now, even though it was created by John, they don't want him to do anything with it. So my whole thing is, are we going to get the original Ren and Stimpy? Because, again, this is all coming from John. Like, this is something that he created, how the characters acted out, um, and if 
And also, if you guys notice, Ren and Stimpy had a lot of 1950s, 1960s, kind of like uh, animation style humor because John Krafowski, he grew up watching a lot of 50s, 60s shows. So there's a lot of that aspect on Ren and Stimpy too. So I'm very curious to see how this is going to end up on Comedy Central because Spike TV had the adult one and... Ooh, man, was there a lot of, uh, how, how can I say this? There's a lot of, uh, gay stuff going on with like Ren and Stimpy on that one. If you guys have not seen, not against the gay community, because I have a lot of gay friends, you know, I'm just saying that, that there was a lot of that going on in that show on the Spike TV. But yeah, that's very interesting, Aaron. I'm glad that you brought that one up. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that it it all depends on who owns the rights. You know, if if John owns the rights, then obviously he has the the right to not release the you know the you know the the licenses. Um, but if if you know um, Comedy Central has acquired the rights, they can hire whoever they want. And obviously, with everything going on in the world, you know, um, I, I think that you know it might not be a bad thing to cut ties with John and go a different route, you know, because I mean, look at everything like, um, like Rick and Morty, you know, uh, and, and you have all these, you know, writers with Rick and Morty and, and that show is freaking great. It's hilarious. And, and I think if you did a Rick and Morty style, Ren and Stimpy, you know, I think that it would be fantastic, you know, I think that, you know, you can still have the nostalgia of Ren and Stimpy and maybe do it a different art style or maybe do it um, a, a, a couple different ways. I think I think when you reboot something, obviously, you know, we're going to always go back to the original. I think we have a tendency as humans to do that, you know, and I think a lot of reboots really don't kind of grab that attention that the originals do. You know, um, like they did that Thundercats reboot that failed horribly, yeah. you know, because it didn't have that same feel. But I feel like uh, and, and this is just me talking, you know, about like the transform. We talked about this, the Transformers on Netflix. That was I, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a little six episode, you know, miniseries that they introduced the characters again. And it was kind of like that origin story again of how, you know, the war for Cybertron and all that stuff. I thought that, that they did a fantastic job with that. Obviously, there's a lot of reboots that fail. There's a lot of reboots that that do OK. I think that if the hearts are in the right place and they get people that maybe had some you know, say on things, you know, maybe a couple of the writers that wrote for the original show. I think if you bring them back into it, maybe not John because of his past or whatever's going on with him. Um, I think if you bring in maybe an old writer and a new writer and you kind of merge the two, I think that's when the reboots are really successful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and you know, like you said with Rick and Morty, man, if you bring in the right writers, because like for me, Yes, the animation could be amazing, but when I watch a movie, it's all about writing for me. Like, is the story good? Is this going to make me laugh? Like, you can have a comic book with the best illustrations ever, but, like, if the story isn't good and the writing isn't good, like, it doesn't matter if it's shot, like, 
amazing or if the animation's top or if you're listening to an album and you know oh well the beats and, and the drums and the guitar sounds good but like the lyrics are stupid you know like for me the writing is everything man when it comes to like creative stuff so yeah i definitely agree on that um okay so we're just we're gonna finish off so we did tv shows i'm gonna name two movies that are gonna be rebooted uh before we end uh our things that are old or new again episode here but uh i'm gonna mention this one Aaron. this is a classic we grew up on this movie and they're gonna reboot this with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Now, I want uh, before I say the title, Aaron, I want you to picture Dwayne the Rock Johnson in the leading role in this. Okay. All right. Okay. This is a John Carpenter film too that we grew up with, and Mortal Kombat took aspects of this movie. Big Tribal in Little China is going mm. to be rebooted. Now, it's still in the writing stages. The Rock is supposed to star. Um, the writing is by Ashley Miller and Zach Stance. But The Rock said that he wants John Carpenter involved in the project in some sort of capacity. Now, Kurt Russell starred in the original Big Trouble in Little China, which was an amazing movie. Um, awesome. You know, John Carpenter obviously is known for horror. I think he did Hellraiser. Uh, oh, no, no, that was Clive Barker. Clive Barker did Hellraiser, but John Carpenter did uh, Escape from New York, if I'm not mistaken. Um, a lot of a lot of amazing movies. And, I mean, Big Trouble in Little China, for those who have not seen this movie, man, it's martial arts mixed with mystical stuff. And if you play Mortal Kombat, uh, you got these two guys that do electricity that really reminisce of Raiden. It's actually Raiden in the movie. Um, but The Rock... It's supposed to be in the starring role in this. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this one, Aaron. No, I, I haven't, but I can't. I don't know. I can't. It's it's hard for me to picture The Rock playing something that Kurt Russell originally played. You know. Yeah. Now, now I, I I can understand it's a reboot. I can understand that. But you're talking about two totally different physiques, two totally different body types. I mean, the rock, I mean, I don't know. It's just to me, it, when, when you say the movie, I immediately think of like Kurt Russell. I cannot picture the rock playing that role. Now the rock is very versatile. You know, I've watched him a lot of his movies. I watched his wrestling career. I think he's an amazing actor. He's an amazing performer, but you know, I, I don't know something about that. Just it's, it's kind of like, Oh, I don't know if that's the best choice, you know? Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you 100%. I just don't know if... All right, you mentioned physique. The thing for me is that Kurt Russell, he wasn't a big guy, you know. But, like, for me is that, like, Kurt Russell, he was very witty, very sarcastic. Um, You know, he had to think on the spot. And, again, physique, whereas The Rock, that's a huge dude. Like, he can yeah. knock somebody out. He can knock somebody out easily, whereas, like, Kurt Russell in it, he wasn't as strong, but he had to rely on being smart, being weedy, being sarcastic. Two totally different, like, ways. So, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know how this is going to turn out, man. But if Jar Comforter gets involved, because Jar Comforter, um, he stopped 
um, getting involved in the film industry. And from what I've been reading is that Jar Comforter, all he does is watch basketball all day. So, yeah. like, uh, you know, if they, if they can get him involved in this and from watching basketball, like, I mean, maybe it'll be good. But let's see, man. Let's see what happens with this. So I kind of just I kind of just Googled it real quick while we're talking just to kind of see get a little bit more information. And one of the like Google searches is, is there a big trouble in little China too? And it says Dwayne, the rock Johnson is developing a sequel um, to 1986's big trouble in little China as a starring vehicle for himself. But original star Kurt Russell tells USA today, he probably won't be in the continuation of the director, John Carpenter's action adventure. So, you know, I Mm. guess Kurt Russell's probably not going to be in it. Mm. I'm curious to see how that continuation is because a lot of these reboots too. And, you know, you know, you can look at a lot of the movies that have come out in the past 10 years. If you reboot something, you have to almost grab on to, you know, some of the original cast to bring them in either as a cameo, uh, you know, you look at like 21 jump street, you know, you brought the original cast in as a little cameo, you know, just to make that connection from the old to the new. And then once you have that connection, you run with it, you know, but I, I feel like if you don't have that connection, the reboots really aren't as successful. Yeah, I, I I agree with that, man, 100%. Me and you are on the same page because I'm a big movie buff. I watch tons of movies, man. I just love movies, you know, old movies, new movies. Right now, I'm trying to catch up on all the Godzillas, love Godzilla. So, yeah, man, like, you know, like, I don't know. I'm just like, again, a lot of these movies are geared towards us. You know, it's like, hey, let's get some of these kids that grew up with this. Let's remake this. And you know what's funny? That's like them remaking the Wizard. Remember the Wizard back? Uh, that the pretty much the Wizard was a Nintendo commercial, <laughs> a yeah. full-length Nintendo commercial. Like, imagine them re rebooting that now. It'll be a PlayStation commercial, a whole movie about a kid trying to join a PlayStation competition. So, right. You know, uh, uh, do you have anything on your list? No, no, I didn't have any. I didn't have any new movies coming out. All right, so here's my last one, and we're, uh, I want to finish off with this. Aaron, I'm very excited about this. As a matter of fact, I have a friend who recently was working in Rhode Island uh, for Warner Brothers video games. He did a lot of the character designs for the Batman Arkham games, and uh, he recently last year posted on his Facebook status that he got a job in L.A. working on this. Now, Gremlins 3 is being made. Uh, So from the information that I got, Gremlins is going to be a reboot, uh, Christopher Columbus said. And for those that don't know about Christopher Columbus, you should know who that is because he directed Home Alone. He's done a lot of... uh, Oh, no, was that... Yeah, Christopher Columbus did do do, do Home Alone. It wasn't Robert Zemeckis, so yeah. Uh, Christopher Columbus has done a lot of great films, so... Uh, he's saying that it's actually going to be a, a reboot. I hope it's not. I hope it's a continuation because what I what from what I've been reading, the original actor who played in the first two, he should be coming back. But HBO is developing an actual Gremlin uh, cartoon series. It's going to be ten episodes. It's going to be a prequel to the 1984 film and its 1990 sequel, The New Batch. Now, this cartoon series. Is going to be awesome. And Aaron, I'm just going to tell you what it's going to be about right here. So 
The Cartoon Gremlins, which is going to be premiering on HBO Max, it's set in the 1920s in Shanghai. The story of how 10-year-old Sam Wing met the young Mogwai called Gizmo. Now, for those that have never seen Gremlins and who do not know who Mr. Wing is, Mr. Wing is the antique shop owner who was Gizmo's caretaker before the father ended up buying Gizmo. So this HBO cartoon is going to be a prequel to the first and second movie with Sam Wing set in the 1920s how when he first discovered Gizmo and their adventures before he sold them off in a 1980s film. Aaron, how do you feel about that? I think that that's awesome. I think that that's going, it's going back. You're bringing, you're bringing a lot of, you know, nostalgia back to it. And I think that, that, that going back to the kind of origin stories that a lot of these movies have done in the past, I think that that's a, I think that's a good play. Yeah. And it's so funny, man, because uh, there was a Simpson episode where Homer uh, buys an evil crusty doll, which is making fun of like Chucky. And he, he answers this antique shop, and it's Sam Wing. And Homer's like, uh, can I get that doll? And he's like, the doll is evil. All right, can I get some yogurt? Uh, the yogurt is also evil, and it contains potamious axodite. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, awesome. That, that, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, man, we talked about... A lot of stuff, man. And, you know, everything in this episode was geared towards, you know, our toy anxieties, uh, you know, everything that's being developed towards us, uh, you know, all the all the film and movie reboots, man. So I I hope that everybody listening today, you know, all, all my toy collectors, all my movie buffs, you know, you got we're all with you. We're, we are all in this together. We're all struggling with you. We all want to get the same stuff. Just know that you're gonna get it. You know, try not to be the try not to pay the scalping prices on eBay, and you know, just wait. If you can't wait and you have to pay the scalping prices for some of these figures, these collectibles, then we understand. You know, but just know that we're all in this together, all us toy collectors. You know, and uh, yeah, watch out for all these movie and movies and reboots and TV shows coming out geared towards us. Aaron, do you have anything else to say before we end this this awesome episode? No, I th- I, th- I think we covered a lot, but I think um, you know just talking about like the scalping and stuff like that. I think that you know you really kind of have to try to persevere through you know the the kind of struggles that you know the the hashtag first world problems <laughs> that we go through um you know trying to find some of these toys you know i came home and you know told my wife this story and you know she was kind of laughing and you know i, I said uh, i think it's just it's hard because you want to try to find a toy but it's not as easy as just walking into a toys r us like we did when we were younger you know, I think that, you know, th- these toys are in demand. Some people are collecting them. Some people are reselling them, you know, and, and I think that because these toy companies, like we've said multiple times, pull on our heartstrings, it brings us back to that, oh, man, that'd be really cool to own that again. And I think, you know, it's all about persevering and just trying to, you know, keep keep at it go to the stores go to the you know flea markets go where wherever you are obviously if it's a new toy you're gonna have to go to the walmarts the targets 
just try to find it, you know, but if it's something that you really don't want to, you know, drive, you know, to 20 stores over the course of two weeks to try to find, then maybe it's worth it for you to to pay, you know, $40 for a $20 figure. And that way, you know, you don't, you're not wasting gas, but I think, I think, you know, they're going to be out there. They're going to be released. I I've seen it, you know, recently with the plasma series, the ghostbusters, when those first were released, you know, my wife and I were looking for them cause she knew that I wanted them. And, um, we, we, uh, we ended up finding them probably three weeks after release. And we were like, Oh, we're all excited. Cause we haven't found them. And then, um, you know, now every Walmart and target, I walk into uh, Walmart, I walked into yesterday, they had top stock of these things. So, I mean, they were, they, they were over, you know, capacity with, with, they, they were, they had so many of them. So I think that eventually, you know, that, you know, maybe with like, especially when things are first released, like the GI Joe classifieds, the Ghostbusters retros and stuff like that. I think that eventually give it a month or two and it'll quiet down because you're not having this influx of like people wanting it right that second. I think given a month, I just don't know how long the production runs are on these figures. And that's, that's above my pay grade. And if I knew that I would be able to guesstimate, you know, when to buy these things, but I think you just have to persevere. I think that's, you know, the key, like, you know, when you bought that suit, when you got that super shredder, you didn't get it at one Oh two, you got it at one forty nine, you know, and that was because you were doing your, your research, you were on the forums, you were doing all your, your hard work. And they said, Oh, well, they're uploading them because some people got two. And then you were able to jump back in and get one. So you persevered and you got that figure, you know, you pre-ordered it. And, you know, I think that that's really what it boils down to, but I, I think the toy companies need to do their part to make sure that the bots and the, you know, the scalpers are only getting one at a time. You can't, you know, don't order 10 at a time and, and really give the customers and, you know, cause sure you want to make a collectible toy, but you want to make the customer base happy too, because they're going to continue to buy those toys. If somebody has a bad experience on a NECA website, they might not come back to buy that second figure. Yeah. 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 Wow, man. That was, uh, you kind of had, I kind of had like a little tear coming down my eye. It was kind of inspirational <laughs> for us toy collectors there. I don't know why Aaron, but I was picturing you like at a mountaintop you know, just holding like this bill of like toy collecting and just reading it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, maybe, maybe I inspired you, but <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's Co- coach Carter right here. <laughs> getting, getting oh man. But yeah, man. So listen, everybody, like Aaron said, we're with you. We're being strong with everybody with that being said, you know, find us on anchor.fm slash zero box prop, uh, zero box prize podcast uh once you once you go on that website you can listen to where we're available which is spotify podbean you can leave us a voicemail message there um also please subscribe on our youtube page which is zero box prize podcast don't forget to subscribe to us uh uh hit the like button head over to our facebook page which is zero box prize podcast uh we post a lot of pictures of 
you know, just toy news, movie news, uh, some of our collection. Uh, I posted up a few things there of NECA, uh, Megalopolis Toys coming out with their dates of their pre-orders for or from Jim, Barrier Commando. So, yeah, man, head over to our Facebook page if you guys want to post up, post it there. And, uh, yeah, man, this has been another great episode of Zero Bucks Prize Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Garcia, and I'm signing up with my co-host, Aaron Schmelzer. See you later. All right, guys, and uh, take it easy, guys. Bye.